Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Pastor Brian Hallam. I'm so glad you're tuning into this message. I'm so glad you're allowing me to come into your home and share a little bit from God's Word. Today we're going to be talking about worship. And I don't want you to tune out. I want you to tune in. Because it might just be different than what you've thought all along. God bless you. Let's go to the message. I'm about to preach a message to you that the Lord put on my heart uh, last week and basically put a mandate on me to begin a series immediately. Ever since then, he's been waking me up in the middle of the night. He's been waking me up early in the morning. He's just been downloading these different keys. He's been leading me to different segments of the Bible, all on one concept and one uh, uh, topic, worship. Worship is probably one of the most underutilized and misunderstood facets of the body of Christ because we all have our own idea of what worship is. But the truth is, is that the scripture itemizes what worship is quite clearly. But for each one of us, worship is something that we either take part in or we don't take part in or we were raised in a family that did it, or we were raised in a family that didn't do it, or we have a church background where we did it a certain way, we had a church background where we didn't do it a certain way, we had no church background. Wherever we come from, we have to understand that worship is not something that we invented. Worship is something that's been going on for all of eternity and will go on for all eternity. And when you go to heaven and when you get in the presence of Almighty God, it is not going to be quiet. The throne room of heaven is filled with the worship of Almighty God. And and I'll say this also. There's a guy named Lucifer who was an angel. And when he stopped worshiping is when he got flung from heaven. Worship is not optional in heaven. The Bible said when Jesus was asked, can you teach us how to pray? He said, said, I tell you what you ought to pray for. You ought to pray that the kingdom of heaven would would come here like it is in heaven would come to earth like it is in heaven. He said, I'll teach you what you ought to pray for. You ought, to, you ought to pray that what's going on in heaven starts going on on earth. He said, because when you see that, now you'll get in congruence with what's actually going to happen for all of eternity and you won't be shocked when you get there. Many people are going to be shocked when they get to heaven because they, they, they didn't know Jesus was serious when he said, I'm preparing mansions for you. I need three people to say amen so we can move forward. Some of y'all gonna be, some people are gonna be shocked when you get to heaven and you find out streets of gold meant streets of G-O-L-D gold. You're gonna be shocked when you get to heaven and, and you hear the, the sounds and the extravagance of heaven and the extravagant worship of Almighty God. It's gonna, you're, you're just gonna be shocked. Some people with certain backgrounds, they're gonna be like, well, I thought you were just supposed to be quiet in heaven, sing the first verse and the third verse, skip the fifth verse, and then go back to the chorus one more time. I thought you were only supposed to sing with this kind of music. I thought you weren't supposed to have music. I thought you were only supposed to have this kind of instrument. I didn't think you were supposed to have an instrument. You're gonna be shocked when you get to heaven and you find out that Jesus is the light of that city and worship is going on 24-7 in heaven. Worship is not optional in heaven. Worship, worship is, a, is, is a tool. It's, a, it's, a, it's an asset. It's an opportunity. If it's nothing else, it's the most grand opportunity that you and I may have because at that point, we can actually control in some sense, and I know it's hard to say that word, but, but we can even control where the presence of God goes. Most of the time, we don't need God to do something. We just need God to show up. 
Because when God shows up, he does something. He said, well, I thought he was omnipresent. I thought he was everywhere. He is. When I talk about him showing up, I'm talking about the glory of Almighty God. I'm talking about when everything changes and, and your, your, your problems melt like wax. And you can't remember what you were frustrated with your wife about. Because the presence began to come and burn off all the dross. You can't remember what you were frustrated about. Everything begins to change and everything begins to shift. The Bible says in John 4, verse 23, the time has come, the hour comes, and now is. Somebody say, now is. When true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. He's looking for people to worship in spirit and truth. The Bible says an unjust balance is an abomination to God. You can worship in spirit passionately, but if you're not worshiping in truth, you're incorrect. You can worship in truth and have no passion, and you are incorrect because he is looking for spirit and truth. Spirit meaning the, the, the passion of a thing, the, the fire, the gusto. Truth meaning accurate. You can't just worship God and act like anything you believe is correct. Sometimes you can do something your whole life and have no clue why you're doing it. It can even be wrong. Some of you may have been raised in a racist household. Like, it doesn't matter how much you love the person that, 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 that made those racist comments. They're wrong. It doesn't mean you should stop loving them either, by the way. But they're incorrect. You could have been raised in a household, even a Christian household, that wagged its finger at other Christians. You know what? They should have never, they just take it too far. They go too far at that church. They go over the top. Or, you know what? They just don't go far enough at that church. That's their problem. I can't believe this. It doesn't matter. You are in, you could have done it your entire life. You can find out that you're wrong. And you know what? You can do something. It's really powerful. It's one of the most powerful things you can do. Everybody look me right in the face because maybe the most important point of the entire sermon. One of the things you can do in your life that's amazing, you can change. Because what happens is you, you, can, you can hear the truth. But if you got no spirit with it, you're still out of line. You see what I'm saying? Spirit and truth. Now, the word worship in that text is a very interesting word. I won't try to pronounce it because I'm from East Texas, praise the Lord. But in the original language, the word, like most of the time when you hear a word from another language, you really don't need a translation as much as you need an interpretation. So that word worship it literally means like to greet with a holy kiss. Like if your wife was, was gone for a long time and she comes in the door and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so, I miss you so much. Yeah, I'll give you a kiss. And, and one, one, one translation or one interpretation, the example they give is like a dog greets its owner. Now, now look, I got, I got, we, got, we got two dogs. All right? One dog's a great Pyrenees. Her name's Rose. She barks at everything. Woof, woof, woof. Real loud. The other one is Hank, the couch dog. And he's a Jack Russell Terrier. And I love him like the deserts love rain. That's how much I love this dog. And I love him for a lot of reasons. One reason I love him is he does just about everything I say. And he will not do anything anybody else says. And I thought that was cool until it turned on me. 
Because, like, the kids will let him outside to go do his business. And they're like, Hank, come back. Hank, come back. And he's like, you ain't going to make me. I ain't coming. And so they'll come back in the house. They're like, Dad, you need to get your dog. I'm like, oh, it backfired. But your dog is, is interesting. Like, like, if you have a dog, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't have a dog, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But if you have a dog, like, if we heard how you talk to your dog when nobody's around, I was, I was getting ready this morning. Kids had to come to church early. I was, I was finishing getting ready. Crystal comes in and says, what, what do you want me to do with Hank? I said, I'll just leave him in here with me. As soon as they walk out, I start having a conversation like the dogs won't talk back to me. <laughs> how are you this morning, Hank? He's just staring at me. Hey, how, how are you? Did you sleep good? He's just staring at me. I said, you need to go outside? He's just staring at me. I said, I bet you need to go outside. Let's go outside. So I take the dog outside. I go out there, open the door, I go outside. And I, I'm standing there on the back porch. I got my head on my hip. Dog standing right there just staring at me in the grass. I say, you need to potty? <laughs> now, I didn't even talk to my kids that way. I don't know what it is about a dog. You talk to a dog. I'm like, you need to potty? You need to go? We'll go home. And he, he looks at me, takes a couple of steps, looks back. You want me to go like over here? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go out there. Go potty. He walks over. I'm not going to show you all how he does it, but he, he walks over. <laughs> he does his business. And while he's doing it, I'm like, good boy, good boy. He's done. I'm like, you done? He's just looking at me. I'm like, well, come on. He's like, all right. He starts trotting into the house. Treat him like a king. He never opened the door for himself. Open the door for him. He goes in. He's like, what are we going to do now, Dad? We're going to play catch. Or we're going to sit on the couch. We're going to watch some TV. You want to get one of my toys? You want me to do a trick? Go get some cheese. I'll do a trick. I'm just sitting there looking at him. He's full of energy. And see, what, what he doesn't know is, or I don't know if he knows, but when he least expects it, like the prison warden side of me shows back up. And I'm like, hey. Got to go to church, man. You got to get in your house. Now, house sounds nice, but it's a cage. It's a little cage. You go buy at the, the, the pet store, and when you put them in there, they can't get out. And he's a Jack Russell Terrier. He's super high energy, super excited all the time. You tell that dog to get in your house, let me tell you what happens. He goes from this. He's like, Hank, he's like, what? We're going to go do something? I'm like, well, yeah, we're going to go do something. We're going to play catch. What are we going to do? I'm like, Hank, you got to come here. He's like, I'm coming, I'm coming. What are we going to do? I'm like, Hank, get in your house. He's like, okay. And he starts moving as slow as absolutely canine possible. I'm like, Hank, you better hurry up, man. He's like, I'm not going any faster than this. I wouldn't tear anything up if you left me in the house. I'm like, you're a liar, dog. You tear the whole house up. Come back and there's shingles missing somehow. You know how you got up there. He gets almost into the little cage which we call a house. So he get in your house, and he does the same thing every time. He gets almost in there, his nose just about to break the threshold of that box, and then he does this right here. <laughs> get in your house. 
goes in the house. I'm the warden. I put him in there. Usually turns around in the house, just looks out to cage, you know. If you don't shut the door quick, he'll start whining. I shut the door to the laundry room. I start walking out and I hear, I'm like, what's going on? Get in my car, drive to church, preach like a man on fire, come back home, open the door. I'm the one that locked him up, and he still acts like I'm a king. I open the door, and he's just jumping, boing, 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 boing. But he's like a basketball, just boing, 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 boing. And if you ignore him, he just keeps on boing, 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 boing. And then finally I just catch him, boom. And I hold him right here. He does the same thing every time. He starts licking me. And I do the same thing every time. I'm like, stop it. Don't you lick me. Don't you lick me. Finally, I'm like, okay, I love you too. I know it's all funny. But when's the last time you look forward to God walking in the room like that? Well, is worship what you thought? We're just really diving into it. But I want you to know, worship is one of the greatest opportunities for a believer. The Bible says that God will literally inhabit the praises of his people. It's like we're building him a chair to sit in. Is your worship a chair worthy for our God? It's a challenging statement. We're going to jump right back to the message, but I want you to stay tuned. At the conclusion of today's episode, I have a short message that I want to talk to you about right at the end of service. I want to talk to you about what it means to get the gospel around the world and how you can literally partner and help us spread the message of Jesus Christ and his kingdom all over the planet. Matthew 22 and verse 37. See, worship is not music. But we can use music to worship with. Worship is, it is a outpouring of the you that is created in God's image. The person next to you can be pouring their heart out singing the same song you're singing and you never touch God. I find it a shame that oftentimes in church we wring our worship leaders out. We squeeze life out of them. And we literally live off the overflow of the people around us. And we never tap in. I find it A challenge when I see ministers that are tired because they're preaching life. They're preaching hope. They're preaching grace. They're preaching the truth of the word of God and there's no response. And the truth of it is the word of God in my mouth is the most powerful thing I have in my life but the word of God in your mouth is the most powerful thing in your life. And the word of God, understanding the word. Uh, Jesus said unto them, you're supposed to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Somebody say heart. This word in the original language is like the place of your vigor. Like a good football coach can get 
a team of young men to feel like they can run through a brick wall because somebody spoke to the vigor on the inside of you, the heart on the inside of you. He said, if you're going to love and honor God, if you're going to worship God, he said, you're going to have to do it with your whole heart. Don't you be giving everything you have to something else and be giving God half. If you're going to really see, he said, I want to see spirit and truth. He said, the time is now for people to rise up and worship in spirit and truth. He said, when you worship, you got to do it with your whole heart. Don't you come in here and restrict and reserve something. Don't you walk in here like you're walking into Target. Don't you walk in here like you're walking into Walmart. Don't you walk in here walking into the public library. This is the house of the living God. This is the place where miracles, signs, and wonders break out. And we didn't come in here to play games. We didn't come in here to do jokes we came in here to give my whole heart every piece of us every fabric of who we are anything you restrict from God is on you anything you give him he will bless and make it better when I was seeking the Lord about this he was real specific with me he said he said worship is like a pool that you cannot be thrown in Anybody have kids, especially in summertime, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Kids love swimming. They love it. My kids love swimming. Adults, we do it a little different. Like we go to the pool and we're like, okay, yeah, the swimming pool. Let's see here. Is it 86.5 degrees? Because if not, I'm not getting in it. Praise the Lord. You're sitting there. You walk up. You got your, 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 your sun hat, you got your beach towel, you got eight layers of sunscreen on, and you stick that toe in the water, you're like, whoop, no, not today, Jesus, praise the Lord, that water's cold. And, you, and Billy comes running by, seven years old, cannonball, splash, gets on you. And you're like, Billy, is it cold? You're like, no, it's perfect. Kids swim in anything. But worship is the pool you can't get thrown in. And if you've ever been to the pool and, and, and somebody was swimming, you can get close to it and you can get wet and you can think you've experienced the water. But if you come in here and you don't jump in to worship, the truth of it is you're just living off of the splash from somebody next to you. There's always another level. There's always another level. And God is calling us to new levels. Dare I say, He's calling us to new heights in our worship. He's calling us to give our whole heart. What have you held from Him? He's calling us to give our whole soul, every part of that emotional side of us. And He says He's calling us to give us, uh, give our whole mind. Because when you do that, now we get in one mind, one accord. The atmosphere begins to change. And all of a sudden, the person next to you gets convinced that jumping in the pool of worship is worth it. And let me just say this, if you've ever gotten to any swimming pool, it's the same, unless it's like the one time out of a million, the water always shocks you a little bit. But then you don't want out. The water, it, it always has a little bit of an effect on you, but it's a decision. I say, you know what, I, I'm going to do it. You sit there, I used to work in construction a lot, and, and, and we used to ride these things they call man lifts. They should not be called that. They should be called death traps. 
and we would go up sometimes as much as 40 feet and it'd be on these big booms it'd be like almost like a if you don't know what I'm talking about just like picture a crane with a basket on it that people stand in let me tell you what they don't tell you on the ground when you get up there the thing sways like 10 feet both directions And you'll be up there and you'll get in the basket and they'll raise you to the top and you're moving it around and like you got this little control and you move it and when you stop it just kind of rocks itself back in place like that. And the first time you're up there, you're like, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the basket. Jesus, take my hard hat. Jesus, take everything. Oh, my God, I give my life to you again right now in case this thing falls. Oh, Jesus, I hope I paid my life insurance. Hope this thing goes really good. And God forbid you go up there with somebody who's been on one before. It's like walking into church with somebody who's a good worshiper. You're not comfortable, and they're just like, Great is thy faithfulness, oh God, my father. They've given three people a black eye and two people a bloody nose during service. Bam, bam, bam. And they're like, you just gave me a black eye. You're like, I'll heal you in a minute. Praise the Lord. It's like being in that man lift and that one person's up there and they're standing on the edge of it and they're hanging off and you're over here, you're white knuckling the thing like that and they're like, can you hand me the nine sixteenths wrench? And, and you're like, I ain't giving you no kind of wrench. They're like, fine, I'll get it. And they're like, and you're like, are you crazy? And then they find out you're nervous and they're like, what? But then once I've been on one for a bit, now I'm like, hey, drive the thing around because you'll be shocked how quickly you'll get comfortable once you find out the thing was not made to kill you. It's made to take you places you can't go alone. Worship was not made to make you uncomfortable. It's like the pool. It just looks like that from the outside. But once you get in, now you find out the whole thing was for your benefit. You get in with the kids, you find out it it was worth the little shock it took to get past first feeling and now the person over there waving like crazy doesn't look so crazy because the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of men we take on a form of godliness but we deny the power the passion the vigor before you know it we're living in the splash zone of others 10% of the congregation is dragging the 90% with them. I wonder what would happen if our 90% started dragging the 10% first-timers. I wonder what would happen if when you left here, the culture of your car lined up with the culture of a service. 
I wonder what would happen if the culture of your household and the culture of your car and the culture of the church service all looked the same and kids stopped being confused by how come we only sing passionately when we're singing Kenny Chesney but whenever we're singing about Jesus we sing all turned down. I wonder what changed. What's the difference? I wonder what would happen if we all literally got it in one mind and one accord. Would it be like the day of Pentecost when the sound of a rushing mighty wind began to flow in and the Bible says that it spilled out on the streets and thousands of people said what is going on they said this is that this is that that the prophet spoke of it all happened when they got in one mind and one accord I wish somebody would worship him with your whole heart with all your soul I wish you would take your mind as I'm keeping it on him and never back off thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode on worship I pray it's been a blessing to you I pray it's challenged you You know, worship, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. One translation indicates it's like we're building a chair for Him to sit in. So here's something that you might think about. Is your worship building a chair that is worthy for our God? I know it can be challenging. I know it's a great time of reflection. But we ought to pour ourselves on Him like He was willing to pour Himself out for us. Listen, I am so thankful that you've tuned in. And next week, I have a great episode ready for you. But I want to talk to you for just a minute about partnership. See, this message of the kingdom needs to go around the world. The Bible says that whenever we partner together, that we are partakers of the same grace. That means that even though I'm standing on the other side of a camera preaching and teaching the Word of God, when you partner with me, every grace that is on this ministry gets on your house. When somebody gets born again, you're a partaker of that grace. When uh, something good happens for somebody because they begin to believe the gospel of the kingdom through this ministry, you're a partaker of that grace. I salute all my partners. I thank you for helping me get this message out. But maybe you'd like to become a partner today. Go right now to brianhallam.com and you can sign up today to be a partner. You'll find other resources there, other teachings. But it's something that's very special to me because when we partner together, we are stronger than we would be alone. God bless each and every one of you. God bless my partners and those who are choosing to be today. But maybe you would say this. Maybe you would say, you know what? I don't even know who this Jesus is. Well, let me just tell you quickly. He loves you very much. If you've never given your life to him, I want to lead you in a prayer today. Just say this after me. Say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I'm a Christian now. I repent of my sins. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, I believe you've been born again. Get yourself in a good Bible-believing church. If you're in Texas, in the College Station area, come out to my church, New Heights Church. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.